You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. And I'm thankful to get into the Word of God today as well. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and Psalm 142. Uh, we're going to cover 1 Samuel this week, and then next week we're going to start on more of a Christmas series. We're going to connect it to the story of David a little bit, but uh, we're going to move forward to our Christmas series starting next week. Uh, so I want to end with a bang this week, and I'm looking forward to it, all right? Uh, we've been doing this series for a couple months now. We've covered a variety of different topics in the life of David, but what we covered last week was David on the run. Right, David on the run, fleeing from King Saul. Right, for the last three chapters now, from 1 Samuel chapter 19 to 1 Samuel chapter 22, David has been on the run. At this time, David is an outlaw. He is a fugitive, and he's been literally running for his life as Saul tries to track him down. But we find out that no matter where David runs, he can't seem to find refuge. He can't seem to find Safety. We learned last week that he ran to family, and that didn't really work out for David. He ran to friends. That didn't work out. He ran to a prophet and a priest. That didn't work out. And, and he ran to a king. That didn't work out for David. But then, after months of running, David makes his way to the cave of Adullam, the cave of refuge. And finally, David thinks he has found the help and the rest that he needs. And that's how we ended on last week. We ended with 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. And so I'd like to begin by reading that, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down to him. So at this time, David's on the run. He's fleeing. He finally gets to the cave of Adullam, which literally means refuge, the cave of refuge, the cave of safety, and his brethren and his family come to help him. David, at last, thinks he can take a breath of ease. He thinks he's safe. But what we'll find out in today's episode is apparently his friends and his family did not get the memo. We find out in 1 Samuel 22 that instead of helping David out, they instead are looking to David for help. They ran to David, they ran to the cave of Adullam for David to help them, not to help David. And that's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. Look what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontent gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. All right, so get this. David's in this cave. Saul is trying to kill him, and guess who shows up? Everyone that has a problem, that's who. That's who shows up, 400 discontent and distressed men. Now think about that for a second. These were the people that were to come to David and encourage him, to help him, right? But they're looking to David for help. After all that David's gone through, it's crazy to me that now he's dealing with this. How, how do you think... David felt in this moment. How do you think this made David feel? He, he thinks he has refuge, but turns out he's just helping more people. What do you think was going on through David's mind? Well, the cool thing is, we don't have to wonder because it's recorded in Scripture. 
And that brings us to our second passage of Scripture, Psalm 142. You see, when David was in this trial, when David was dealing with this difficulty, dealing with this hard time with no hope, no help, David did the right thing, and he talked to God about it. He went to God in prayer. In 1 Samuel 22, we see the problem, but in Psalm 142, we see the prayer. So let's look at that now. Psalm 142, we will read the entire psalm. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I laid before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I have walked, they have privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. And then he says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. We're going to look at Psalm 142 today, but before we do, let's open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I thank you so much for the word of God, how it's quick, alive, and powerful, and, and can affect our lives. And, and God, I, I pray that we can really bring to light these truths in Psalm 142 and apply it to our lives and, and change us and transform us through your word today, God. Lord, I, I pray if there's anybody in here who does not know you as Savior, they call upon you and God, I pray that you take away every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me in this message. Help me hide behind the cross of Christ and preach your word and move in a mighty way in today's service, Lord. We love you. We praise your name. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, a little over a month ago, my wife and I attended a preacher's conference in Kansas City. I talked to you about that a little bit. We went to the minister's heart conference, and it was a really good time. And, and this particular conference was really good because... The goal was to provide emotional help for the ministry, emotional help for pastors and pastors' wives, and the messages were all geared toward that. Every single message, every single sermon was about emotional help and ministry, and, and man, there were so many great messages that I applied to my life and that helped me so much when we were there, uh, but I would have to say there was one message that stood out to me above the others. It was actually the first message that we heard when we arrived there, and it really spoke to my heart. It really affected me in an amazing way. It was preached by uh, this pastor named Dean Miller. He is a well-known pastor and speaker from Colorado, and he preaches all across the United States. He does a fantastic job, and um, I don't think I will ever forget what he preached on. I really don't, because he began his sermon by reading just one passage of scripture, just one verse. And do you want to know what that verse was? It was 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2, the text that we're covering today. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontent gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. He pe preached on that truth in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and it was cool how he did it. He had an interesting aspect to this sermon because he applied David's situation 
to pastoring, to pastors, because sometimes 1 Samuel 22 and verse 2 can be the job description for a pastor, right? Everyone who is in distress, in debt, and discontent is looking to you for help, is looking to you for spiritual direction. Now, that's not a burden. That is a blessing. Nevertheless, though, that message spoke to my heart. That message helped me. But, but as I was studying for this message this week, and as I came to this text in our verse-by-verse commentary on the book of 1 Samuel, I realized something today. I realized that we can all feel this way from time to time, right? Sometimes you and I can feel like everyone who is in distress, in debt, and discontent is looking to you for help, right? How many of you have ever felt that way before? Many of us have, right? I think of the wives and mothers in the room. They can definitely identify with this, right? Moms, there are going to be seasons in your life where everyone in your home, your husband, your kids, your dog, your cat, will be in distress, in debt, and discontent, and expecting you to fix it, right? That's what's going to happen. And because of this, you're going to look to your husband for help, and then your husband is going to feel like everyone who is in distress, in debt, and discontent is looking to them, right? It's kind of a funny cycle that we go through. But the truth is, guys, everyone will feel this way at times, right? Moms are going to feel this way. Dads are going to feel this way. Retail workers on Black Friday, they feel this way, right? Teachers, bosses, nurses, social workers, deacons, lawyers, Youth for Christ volunteers, older siblings, you fill in the blank, we can all feel this way. You see, the fact is, there will be seasons in our life where we feel like everyone that is in distress and everyone that is in debt and everyone that is discontent is looking to us for help. And typically, when that's how you're feeling, you'll also feel the same way David did in Psalm 142. In Psalm 142 and verse 4, David said, No man cared for my soul. No man cared for me. Have you ever experienced that feeling before? Have you ever felt that way? You're, you're busy caring for everyone else, doing for others, helping others. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. But it doesn't seem like anyone cares about what you're going through. It doesn't seem like anybody cares about what you're dealing with. I felt that way before. And if that's how you're feeling this morning, I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone at all. No, this is exactly how David felt here in 1 Samuel chapter 22. This is exactly what David was going through. He felt all alone. He felt like nobody cared for him in the cave of refuge. But here's the good news, guys, all right? In Psalm 142, the prayer, David teaches us what to do and what to remember whenever we feel like this. Whenever we feel like everybody is going to us for help and no one cares for us, we learn what to do and what to remember out of Psalm 142. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right? We're going to break down Psalm 142 verse by verse, and we're going to look at five truths to remember when it feels like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, when you are overwhelmed. And I encourage you today to follow along in your outline, write this stuff down, download the church app and follow along that way, because I believe these points will help you so much. 
Five things to remember from Psalm 142. And the first thing that we need to remember today is this. When you're stressed out, when you're overwhelmed, you need to remember that God hears your cry. That's the first step. God hears your cry. When everybody's coming to you for help, you're stressed out. You don't know how to deal with it. Remember that truth today. After all, this is what David did, all right? This is how David began. When David felt overwhelmed and stressed out by everyone seeking his help, look at how he handled it in verse 1 of his prayer. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 142 and verse 1. The Bible says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. What do we see there? David, he handled it by crying out to God. I cried unto the Lord. He talked to God about it. Now, why did he do this, though? Why was this David's reaction? Well, it's because he knew that God would listen. He knew that God would listen to his prayer. He knew that God wanted to hear from him, and that truth brought David so much comfort. And the same thing goes for us guys. Hey, when the going gets tough in your life, remember that God listens to your prayers. God listens to you. He listens to us when we pray. And guys, this is a beautiful truth and a beautiful promise that we can cling to. Psalm 65 and verse 2, the Bible says, O thou that hearest prayer. That's one of the names of God. He hears us when we pray. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears us when we pray. He answers our prayers. He listens to us. And man, that is so awesome if you think about it. Because we live in a world that doesn't listen. Have you ever noticed that? In the 21st century today, people have a habit of zoning people out when they talk, right? Do you ever do that? Maybe your, your, your spouse is talking to you and you just zone them out. You're not even listening. I, I do that when my wife talks about Hobby Lobby. It's just in one ear and out the other. Or Pinterest, I'm just like, da 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 you know. Uh, we can do that. We, hopefully she doesn't listen to this sermon. <laughs> we have a listening problem today. All of us can struggle with that. But here's the good news, guys. You'll never have to worry about that with God. You'll never have to worry about that with Almighty God. He listens to you, and he wants to hear from you. He wants you to pray to him about everything. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. God listens to us when we pray. But not only that, we also need to remember this. God wants honesty in our prayers. Not only does he listen, but he wants us to be honest with him. He wants you to be completely honest with him about everything. Because the more honest you are with God, the deeper your relationship will be. It will. And I want you to know this morning, God can handle your honesty. He can. There is nothing wrong with complaining to God. There's nothing wrong with crying out to God and complaining to God. After all, again, we see that's what David did. Psalm 142 is not just a prayer, it's a complaint. He complains to God in prayer. Look at verse 2 of our text. The Bible says, I cried unto the Lord, verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. So here we have David dealing with 400 men who are in distress, 
in debt and discontent, and David is overwhelmed and stressed out about it. David's fuse is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And so the way David handles it is he complains to God. He complains to God. He doesn't complain to his family. He doesn't complain to his friends. He takes it to God right away. The Bible says, I poured out my complaint before him. He talked to God about it. And there's nothing wrong with that, guys. There is nothing wrong with complaining to God. In fact, this wasn't the only time that David did this. No, did you know that a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament? They're Psalms of grief, prayers of lament, times in David's life where he's going through difficulties. He's going through hard times and, and finally he just lifts up his eyes and, and talks to God and says, God, this stinks. God, I don't like this. God, I'm angry. God, it's not fair. That's what David did. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Hey, God can handle your frankness. God can handle your cries. God can handle your complaints. And God can handle your accusations. There's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to pour your heart out to him no matter how you are feeling. And I'm so thankful that that's what God wants in my life because I've done that before. I've done that before. And God brought me through those difficult times by me complaining to him about it. I can't tell you how many times I, I'm going through a hard time and, and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't fair, this isn't right. And I just go to God and say, God, this isn't fair. God, what's going on here? I don't like it. This stinks. Please help me, right? There's nothing wrong with complaining to God. Go and complain to God about it. Psalm 55 and verse 22, the Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. There's no specifics in what that burden is. Whatever it is, cast it to him. Give it to him because he cares for us. He listens to us, he hears us, and he wants honesty in our prayers. So that's the first thing to remember. Write that down. God hears your cry. God hears your cries and your complaints. But number two, not only that, remember this. God knows your path. He knows your path. So verse one, he cried unto the Lord. Verse two, he complained unto the Lord. But then verse three, we find out he remembered the Lord. Look at verse three. The Bible says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. David recognized that God knew his path. In other words, David knew that God had a plan for his life. That's what he knew. And that truth helped David so much. David is crying out to God and he's like, God, I'm stressed out. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I don't know how to handle this, but God... You know my path, so I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you no matter what comes my way. And, and that's a comforting thought today. Hey, God knows your path. God has a plan for you. He knows your path today, and he will reveal it to you little by little. My wife's life verse is Psalm 1611. The Bible says, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Hey, God's got a perfect plan and a perfect purpose for your life. And do you want to know what that equals? Pleasures forevermore and joy. Spiritual, not physical, spiritual. God has a perfect plan for you. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine hearts and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. God knows your path. Hey, when our spirit is overwhelmed, 
we must remember that God has a path and a plan for our life. We need to remember that. Hey, I just got to say, I am so thankful that God has a plan for me. Dude, I, I am so thankful of that because if he didn't, I can guarantee you I would not be here today. I would not be married to Hannah today, none of that, and my life would be miserable. But because God's ways are above our ways, and I acted on faith blindly, I trusted in him, man, God brought me to this point today, and I am so blessed, I am so thankful, and I am the most blessed man on the face of the earth because of it. Why? God knows our path. But remember this now, these plans and these paths, they take time. They're not going to happen overnight. Think of David, right? David would soon be king. But after he was anointed to be king, he had to wait 15 and a half years of waiting and waiting and crying out to God and waiting and waiting and waiting. He is in the waiting process right now. But one day he would be king and it would all work out. And he had to remember in that moment, in that time, God knows my path. I'm trusting in him. And that's how we must be. Hey, understand this now. We don't need to know. We need to trust. We need to trust. Because God knows our path. And that's all that matters. If God knows our path, why do we need to worry about it? Amen? Remember that God knows your path. Remember that God hears your cry. Number three, remember God cares for your soul. God knows your pain. God cares for you. And that's what we see in verse 4. Look what, what David goes on to say in his prayer. He says, I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. So in verse 4, David is telling God how he feels. And he says, God, I'm surrounded by people, but no one notices me. Refuge has failed me. I went to the cave of Adullam. I went to the cave of refuge, but, but that's not working out. And then he says, no man cared for my soul. He says, I, I, I have 400 people expecting me to care for them, but no one seems to care for me. He's just crying out to God. Have you ever felt that way before? You look around, you think to yourself, no one cares about me. No one cares about how I feel. Maybe you slaved away in the kitchen for Thanksgiving this past week, making food, and you think to yourself, does anybody care how much work I put into this? Does anybody care what kind of potatoes I want, <laughs> right? Is anybody thankful for me? Sometimes we can look around and think, does anybody care? Does anybody care? And the truth is, when we look around, it's not many. It's not many that do. There aren't many people in this world that truly care. But understand this now, guys. When we look up, we find someone who cares. Because God cares. God cares for us. God knows your pain, and God cares for you. And when the going gets tough, when you're stressed out, when you're overwhelmed, you feel like you have nobody, remember that you've got a Savior in heaven that is touched with the feeling of your infirmities, that cares about you, has a heart for you more than you ever realize. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares about you. We're told to cast our burdens in Psalm 55 and verse 22, our complaints, our cries. He says, cast them. I want them. Why? I care for you. I care about you. I care for your soul. Remember that. That's number three. God hears your cry. God knows your path. 
God cares for your soul. Number four, God is all you need. God is all you need. Look at verse four again. David says, I looked at my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. All right, so, so David looks around at, at 400 distressed, in debt, and discontent men who are no help. And he says, no one is concerned for me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. So at this moment in verse four, David has nobody. David has no one. There is no hope in sight for David. But are, are you ready for this? All that changes once we get to verse five. It all changes because in verse five, we find a shift in David's perspective. We find a change in David's sight and in David's thought process. Look at verse number five. This is so cool. The Bible says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. What do we see there? In verse five, you want to know what David does? David looks up. He looks up to God. He's no longer looking around at his problems. He's no longer looking around at his circumstances. No, he looks up to God. And once he does that, everything changes for this man. Everything changes for David. This once mighty warrior for God, this man after God's own hearts, is a man after God's own hearts once again. He looks to Jesus. He looks to God. And in that moment, David realizes that God is all he needs. He realizes that God is all he wants and that God is all he needs. And the same thing goes for us, guys. You're overwhelmed. You're stressed out. You can't see to the other side. Hey, look to God. And once you truly look up, you will realize that God is all you need. There are promises that comfort us in that, right? We can take that promise. We can take that truth to the bank today. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hey, God will supply all that we need today. God will supply all that we need. God will meet our needs, which means God is all we need. God is all we need today. Everything else is just an added benefit it's just an added blessing. God will meet our needs. And do you want to know how he does this, guys? This is so cool. He does this through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is all you and I need today. Think about it for a second. If you're hungry, he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he's the living water. If you're weary, he's the rest. If you're lonely, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you're afraid, he's the prince of peace. Hey, Jesus is our Savior and glory, and he will meet your needs. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that truth, that promise just keeps getting better and better the more you read and study the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible says in John 10, 10 that Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to this world so that you and I can live the abundant, victorious Christian life. And do you want to know what that equals? That equals a God that meets your needs. He meets your needs today. Psalm 84 and verse 11, the Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. 
No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. What does that tell me? That tells me that God will meet my needs today. God will meet all my needs, which means God is all I need. Remember that. God is all I need. God knows my path. God cares for my soul. God hears my cry. Number five, God will work it out. Remember that. God will work it out. You know, there, there are about 20 or so verses that I think about almost every day. Verses that come to mind subconsciously, just pop into my mind throughout the day that bring me comforts. And, and one of those verses would definitely be Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, where the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's a beautiful verse, man. That's an awesome verse. And the reason why this verse pops into my head a lot is because I've lived out this verse. I've lived it. I've witnessed this promise come to pass in my life, and, and I've seen God turn bad situations into good. And so, therefore, whenever something bad is happening in my life or throughout my day, I'm always reminded of this verse. And I think to myself, you know what, this might be bad, but hey, God's going to work it out. Everything's going to be okay. God is going to work it out. And that verse brings me so much comfort and so much peace. Well, as we close Psalm 142 today, we find out that's exactly what David's doing. He's saying, hey, God's going to work it out. Everything is going to be okay. Look at verse number six, Psalm 142 and verse six. This is how he closes his prayer. He says, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. So David opens up by highlighting the negative. He says, I'm in a bad situation right now, God. Things are not looking good at all. God, I feel like there's no hope. But then look at what he says in verse 7. He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You know, when I first looked at that verse, I just focused on that word praise, and I was like, oh, that's good enough, right? He's praising God in the middle of his storm. But I failed to realize the back half of that verse. You want to know something really cool about this? The back half of Psalm 142 and verse 7 is written in the future tense. Now stay with me. You want to know what David is saying there? He's crying out to God, and he's saying, God, right now it's not looking good. Right now I'm surrounded by 400 distressed, in debt, and discontent men. But God, one day, one day, the righteous will surround me because you will have dealt well with me. That's what David is saying. I love the confidence from David. He's praying to God, talking to God, and he says, God, I know you're going to work it out. God, I know you're going to bring me out of this storm. God, I know I'm going to one day be king because you anointed me as king. He's literally just telling God about it, right? God, your word says this, so therefore this is going to happen. Nothing wrong with doing that. He prayed with confidence to almighty God. He's confident that God will work it out. And guess what? God did. He did work it out. God did surround David one day with righteous people. The righteous did surround David one day. And God did deal bountifully with David. God answered David's prayer. And he did it in the craziest way ever. This is so cool, guys. Look at verse 7 again. 
In Psalm 142 and verse 7, he says, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. And then he says this, The righteous shall come past me about. Future tense. This is going to happen. The righteous will surround me. Now, this is so cool. Do you want to know who the righteous were that would one day surround David? The same 400 men who were in distress, in debt, and discontent in the cave of David. The people that were looking to David for help would one day be helping David. Some of them eventually became David's mighty men from 2 Samuel chapter 23, right? How does God do that? How does God orchestrate that? What we see is a promise that we see all throughout the word of God. God will work it out. God worked it out in David's life and the same thing goes for you and for me. Hey, whatever you're going through today, Whatever trial you're dealing with, are you overwhelmed? Are people going to you for help and you don't know how to get through the day? Remember Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Hey, let me ask you something today. Do you love God? Are you a child of God? Then God will work it out for your good. He will. He will work it out and he will get the glory and the praise in the end. So if you find yourself in David's shoes this morning, it seems like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it feels like no one cares for you and, and it appears that everyone in distress, in debt, and discontent is looking to you for help, then remember these five truths. God hears your cry. God knows your path. God cares for your soul. God is all you need. And God will work it out. Take it to God in prayer. And remember that he's in control. At this time, we're going to have the, the worship team come up, and I'm going to have Dana and Ashley play softly. And there's just one more point that I want to make today, real quickly today, and then we'll get into our song. See, throughout this message, we've been looking at David's story and comparing it to our story, right? We've been taking a, a practical approach to this text and making spiritual application to our lives. And that's good, right? That, that's a good thing. That's what you're supposed to to do. But as I close today, I want to make a gospel application. I want to look at this story through the lens of the gospel because when we look at this with gospel eyes, everything changes. You see, in reality this morning, we are not David in the story of David. Do you want to know who David is? David is Jesus. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the captain. Jesus is the one that we look to. And you want to know what that makes us? That makes us the ones in distress, in debt, and discontent. But understand this now. Jesus paid the ultimate price at Calvary to provide the help that we need. He died on the cross. He bore your sin. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose again so that you can be saved. And if we accept his help, if we accept the gift of salvation, Jesus becomes our captain and Jesus becomes our Lord. And with Jesus as our captain, we can be transformed. We can go from being distressed, in debt, and discontent to being a mighty man of God. We can go from being overwhelmed by our circumstances, 
to being overwhelmed by the wonder and the love of God.